0: Welcome to the latest edition of the KFAN College Football Podcast. After a brief hiatus because of a vacationing co-host, we are now back, and some might say better than ever, as we're now into the stretch round of November. A lot to discuss. Uh, I'm Justin Gard from Bumper to Bumper, sideline reporter for the Gopher Football Radio Network here on the Fan and iHeartRadio. Joined, as always, except when he's in Cancun, by former Gopher coach, former Gopher administrator, current Gopher analyst, Dan O'Brien. OB, you look very tan and rested and, re- well, and ready
1: to go. It wasn't as as good as you're making it at Guards here it was a work deal, but it sure was nice to get into some nice weather and my first time in Mexico, believe it or not, and, uh, I enjoyed it that is surprising yeah yeah and
0: you and you made it back, which is always you made the key. It back when I was you go nervous. to Mexico come on back and come I didn't on bring back.
1: anything back so customs was good to me
0: that's good that's good well we uh we're glad to be back here after a little hiatus last week as I mentioned and there's a ton to get to that we've got college football playoff stuff to get to we have night game stuff to get to bowl game stuff to get to. Uh, there's a ton of things to talk about, but we always start with uh, the review of what happened for the Golden Gophers uh, from this past Saturday. And I don't know, can we make it like 30 seconds yeah. or less? Because it was not a pleasant night in the, in Ann Arbor. Uh, we've been in Ann Arbor for some good moments, 2014 when the Gophers got the jug. Uh, but the other three times I've been there, at least, Ob, it, it kind of fit that script where second quarter or so, you kind of you kind of saw the difference between two teams. Uh, One team that looked bigger, faster, stronger than the other. The final score was 33-10. Michigan, after kind of struggling offensively early in the season, has found their legs a little bit. Uh, specifically against Rutgers, and then they continued it against the Gophers. You were on post game duty, so right. you had to. Uh, I at least got to stop talking about it about ten thirty Central Time. You had to go deep into the night discussing it. But what were your initial impressions of that ball game?
1: Well, I think I think obviously, and everybody knows it was a it was a tough deal for the Gophers. You know, two things started right out of the shoot. You know, we came out slow on defense again, which I think is something that uh, I'm sure that the coaches talked a little bit about. They came out and and scored on us early, but then we came back. You know, we had a 75-yard drive, and I thought it was great. I thought the play calling that uh, we had on that uh, from our staff was was great. We did some things on the edge. We got to the perimeter a little bit, and, and we scored. But then from uh, after we scored, it went downhill quickly from there.
0: It was too bad that drive that uh, where the Gophers scored their touchdown. Probably the best drive they've had as Demry Croft being the quarterback, right? And you're thinking, wow, this is great. They're doing some things different. They mixed in a little wildcat. But it is deflating, right, when you work so hard to get the game tied and then I think it was like two plays later, you're right. talking about a 50-plus yard touchdown run and you're already back. You know, how deflating is that for a team just generally when you work so hard to get back there and then give that lead right back?
1: Well, it's it's real hard because all of a sudden you're getting momentum. You're in the big house. There's 100-plus thousand people there. You got that place quieted down, and you turn around and you give up a 77-yard run and a 67-yard run. Uh, that's a tough deal to, to recover from and, and to get back from. It. And the way that, uh, that Michigan was running the ball on us, that that certainly takes it out of you as well.
0: Yeah, so uh, it was, uh, I, I said this you know, on, on all my shows this week, there was a certain, yeah. you could just tell there was a certain body language at, at, a, at a point. And, and you've all been there, right? I mean, PJ said it to me. It was kind of unsettling when I just said, hey, give us the summary. And usually he's pretty expansive, as you right. know, and he just looks at me and says, we got whooped.
1: Yeah, you okay. know, yeah, I was a part of one of those. You know, with yeah. Coach Kills' first year here, I think it was 58 nothing. I remember it well. Uh, it was one of those deals where by the end of the first quarter, you were just going, how soon can we get this thing over with? This is painful. The one difference, though, for us was, Garzy, and I know you want to talk about it later, is that on our 58 uh game there, it was an 11 o'clock start. Yeah, we were, uh, home, so, by <laughs> we were home, home by dinner. We were home by dinner, and that wasn't the case for you guys. Plus, you had the rain delay, too. But, you know, I, I just thought that, you know, the Michigan— uh, particularly defensively, they looked like they had the, the speed difference was 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 great and i don't i don 't think they 're that much faster than us i don 't know if we had tired legs or they just had a get well game from earlier in the season uh, but the speed was was the the difference in the speed between their defense and our offense was to me it was incredible
0: uh, i 'm glad you, you brought that up because you know, Mi- we 've heard about michigan 's defense for a couple of years now, even going yeah. back to the to the Hulk era. with Greg Madison and everything, they've had pretty salty defenses. And last year they had a great defense. They lose a lot of guys. People wondered, will they take a step back? They clearly haven't. I think before the game they had 27 sacks and like 65 tackles for losses. Just insane numbers there. They were in the backfield all night. Yeah, they were. And that's just, you know. PJ said it all week, you gotta win first and second down. You can't put yourself in bad spots. And I don't know off the top of my head, but offensively it felt like we were in second and twelve an awful yeah, lot. Yeah, we
1: were behind the sticks a lot. And and you know, the thing that I noticed is that our offensive linemen couldn't get off double teams to get to their second level, you know, get to their linebacker level and those linebackers were running free making plays and you know, the kid who I thought had an incredible game was the 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 Khalid Hudson kid. Yeah. Uh he what he has, six and a half tackles for a loss, he had, I think, thirteen tackles. Two sacks and he had a strip sack and and I thought he was phenomenal. He he crushed us all night long. We didn't have an answer for him.
0: So offensively, you know what? Where do you go from here? We'll talk about Nebraska in a minute, but we're still kind of waiting for the passing game to come along. Phillip Howard had a couple of nice uh, nice catches and uh, it's just you see you know, the young receivers the, the, these last couple of weeks have a difficult kind of get welcomed to the Big Ten in right. a way, right? With the yep. way Iowa played them and the way Michigan played them.
1: Well, you know, we were five for twelve. Uh, Demery was five for twelve on it. He did have a couple of drops. I didn't think Demery played bad. Uh, his feet were hot, but they weren't a nervous hot. Yeah. they were they were hot because he was getting pressured. And he did have a couple of plays where he did do some things with you know to get out of the pocket. I agree. And, and got some first downs for us. So he looked he looked uh, that he did he did have a little bit more poise I thought than than. He had the week before, and, of course the week before that as well, where he didn't show that the poise um but we gotta have better than uh you know seventy four yards out of our passing game right we're we're not gonna beat anybody um if we don't do that, and I think we will you know a couple drops here, a couple drops there and and we're maybe in a different spot, but I think it'll get better this week and and for whatever reason michigan's defense was was phenomenal, and again, they were the number one defense in the big ten right. And, number four in the country and that that tells you a little something right there
0: we didn't get to talk about it last week but i do think i do think there is has been incremental improvement with demry like the first week we wanted him to be more aggressive in the running game right he was indecisive in his in his reads and you could just tell he wasn't sure to keep it pull it whatever right i thought he improved on that in the iowa game and really i thought he deserved better than his receivers gave him in the first half against iowa uh, there was a couple of drops there's one in the end yep. you know they, they had two drives down into the red zone uh, one of them, you know, Rashad gets a little caught up, ball gets tipped, interception, Tyler had a drop or two. Um I do think they're in even this last week, in, in that game it was well, he's trying to be Tom Brady back there. He needs to get out when he feels pressure. I thought he improved on that against Michigan, You know, O.B. There were a couple of times where, like you said, he was under fire, he was under pressure, and he just scooted out and ran for six, seven yards, right. got down, and lived to see another day. So I do think you know everybody wants to see the big breakout game like we had against Michigan State. I feel like that's kind of unlikely against the, the last two teams they were playing, but I do think there was enough to say, well, there's still I, – I do think there's more to get out of him, but I think he's he's moving – maybe not as quickly as some people would like but i do think there's some redeeming qualities about what he's shown in terms of first game as a starter to third game as a starter
1: yeah i would agree and and you know again we only threw 12 times yeah you know we ran a we ran a bunch of the wildcat uh and i think that probably took away some of the throws the uh plays that might have been pass plays for him but when you only throw 12 times you're not going to see a, a a whole bunch of improvement there and again he had a couple drops so he maybe should have been 7 for 12 uh but he didn't turn it over Uh, So that's a positive going forward. But I would agree. I think he has gotten better. I I still don't think there's a huge, huge separation between he and Connor, and I don't know if if – if uh, Coach Fleck ever takes a look at Connor again, he maybe doesn't as long as Demry starts showing uh, continued improvement as he has. Yeah, so who knows? But uh, I do think he's getting better, and, and if we get a little bit better each week, I guess you can't ask for a whole much more than that.
0: All right, so the Gophers with the loss, 33-10 or 4-5, 1-5 and, five, one and five in the Big Ten. They welcome Nebraska to TCF Bank Stadium, and I, for one, welcome an 11 o'clock kick. Most people don't like 11 o'clock kicks. I love them after the fifth night game of the season and I think the third weather delay of the season. So I can't wait to get up Saturday morning to get to the bank. I'm going to be there at like five thirty, <laughs> yeah, ready to roll. Absolutely. Uh, so Nebraska, it's been you know we've it's been twenty years basically since they've won a conference title. I think their fans all have that in their garage. You know, last conference title for Nebraska. they the, the natives have been restless for a while. Uh, they're certainly uh, restless after uh, another loss last week in overtime to Northwestern, 31-24. Nebraska's 4-5. and five. They're 500 in the Big Ten, but they, you've been there. You know that right. place. You know what they expect. You know, um, you, you know the seat is a little warm under Coach Riley right now, but give us your sense of Nebraska from afar. We've talked a lot about them on the periphery, but now they're the opponent this week.
1: I would say that it might be more than just a little bit warm. Yeah, I was being nice. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think that, He's uh, not even sitting. That's right. how hot the seat when, is. When the president or the chancellor of the University of Nebraska let the athletic director go about a month ago, the reason that he stated, again, there's always more to it than than what you read in the newspaper, but his comment was that the football program hadn't moved far enough along, right. fast enough. So I think that tells you right there that that he's probably not happy. He did bring in a new AD, and more than likely, as as we know, <laughs> yeah. what happens when a new AD comes in, they're going to want to staff it with their own with their own coaches. So I would not be shocked at all, unfortunately, that uh, if we don't see a change, you know, in the next couple of weeks. If they haven't done it by now, they'll probably would wait till the end of the season. But I do think it's a team that's trying to find itself for sure. They're, you know, they're not sure uh, as players uh, where they're at, how good they are. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those deals where it's a very different Nebraska team. Yeah. You know, last week they rushed for 112 yards and passed for 243. That's not the makeup of what Nebraska has been for the last 20 or 30 years. So it'll be interesting to see what's coming in. I think what, what happens in this game, uh, offensively, uh, they're going to go as their quarterback goes. Tanner Lee, yep. came in as, as a highly... The how to transfer and hasn't really lived up to those expectations. So he last week he threw three interceptions. I think he leads the conference. I think he's got thirteen interceptions. He throws it all over the place, yeah, he right? He does. And he takes he, he's a, some high risk throwers and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's not good. So we'll see what happens.
0: It's weird to see I mean we've been living in this. I mean you could even see it coming a little bit, you know, when Frank Solich got let go. I mean Frank Solich was let go basically because he couldn't win a national championship in Nebraska, yeah, was right? Nine and, three. and he was in a nine title game. I mean he was in, he, he played in at least one BCS championship game, but it's, it is it is weird to see Nebraska almost be like an Illinois or Purdue in that they just keep changing. I mean, we talk about it so much, like the, the, the old cultural sustainability buzzword that PJ likes to say, right? Like, it's hard. The one thing, you know, Mike Riley's a good football coach, right? Everybody yep. knows Mike Riley's a good football coach, and have they taken a step back maybe from what they thought they should be? It's just weird to see... I, Nebraska being like a every other team, and just yeah, you know, you'd like to think they have it figured out. Given that there's ninety thousand people all there, they put like twenty million into everything every single year, right? It's just a different place, yeah, Especially
1: so, at home, guys. Yeah, they're they're losing games at home. They're two and four at home, or it, whatever they are.
0: Which um, Nebraska fans are known for being really really nice. It's ama- They're pay- they're still nice to their opponents, which is good. They're just not nice to their head coaches or their <laughs> yeah. administrators. But it's weird to see them just be be just another team in terms of the coaching carousel. Yeah, how many coaches since Osborne are we on now? Four,
1: something yeah, like that. Yeah, You had Callahan in there. Yep. Yeah, you got sure. Polini, You, you know?
0: know, so it's uh, obviously we talked about Solich, but that's that's weird to see them just be almost like everybody else and not understand like, hey, Mike Riley's a good coach. Maybe stick with him for another year. See if he can get it turned around. Three years and gone just seems awful quick to me. You know what I mean?
1: Well, it is, and is it's expensive. Yeah, you know, it's probably a fifteen to twenty million dollar buyout. Uh, if if they do go ahead and make a change, and then you're going to you're gonna spend big money on the guy that you bring in there. I'll guarantee you they'll spend more money on the guy coming in than what they're paying That's uh, true. Coach Riley right now. So, I mean, it's a significant deal. Now, again, remember also that uh, they entered into the Big Ten, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but they've only been getting half of the Big Ten TV money, and next year they get the full Big Ten TV money, so there will be, there'll more, be more money for them to yeah, spend. Yeah, there will be more money for them to put into that football program. But in the state of Nebraska football is incredibly incredibly important and, and they're not going to be satisfied unless they're winning 10 games a year and that's a, that's a lot of pressure that's hard to do
0: I do more uh, radios radio interviews in Lincoln and Omaha than I do in other big Ten towns combined the rest of the year I like would this week it. my phone rings off the hook because they've got like nine stations that talk all huskers and they, they're ready to go they're ready to break it down they
1: are for sure you know what I, I look at it this way it's offensively I think Nebraska might be a little bit better a little bit more, uh, a little ahead of where we are right now defensively. I think it's us. I looked at special teams; yeah. they're even. You know, we're about even there. The deal, the deal that's going to come down to, in my opinion, is turnovers. Right now, we're plus four; they're minus five. So, if you take care of the ball, I feel good about what's happened this week. Another interesting angle is you got the JD Spielman kid, yeah, uh, Eden from, Prairie's from Eden Prairie. Yeah, uh, Rick's son. You know, of course, Rick with the Minnesota Vikings, and he's had a really good year. He's a redshirt freshman, and. uh He's, I think, number five in the in the conference in all-purpose yardage. Is at 130, about 130 yards a game. So it'll be fun to watch him.
0: Definitely. And uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Weather might be a factor this Saturday. <laughs> um, I was talking. <laughs> Not with again. Ky- I was talking with Kyle Gurgley, the equipment manager, before before the Michigan game. He was talking about how it's the worst year he's ever had in like 20 plus years of doing this. And then I saw him earlier this week on campus, and he looked at me and said, "Did you hear the good news?" And I said, "What do you mean?" Rain and snow mix expected on Saturday. I said, perfect. Why not? As long as the game starts on time, I really don't care. Hey, at
1: least it's not lightning, right?
0: That's true. Yeah, as long as there's no lightning in the uh, 10 to 15-mile vicinity that's going to delay the kick any further, I'm happy, my wife's happy, all of us will be happy. So 11 o'clock kick, TCF Bank Stadium. Pre-game show is going to start at 9 uh, on the fan. And then, of course, we've got the network picking up at 10. Post-game show, the whole nine yards, everything. Gophers. Uh, versus Nebraska, hosting Nebraska at TCF Bank Stadium. Let's quickly, OB, spin around uh, a very strange day or an unbelievable day in the Big Ten this past weekend. And the number one story in the Big Ten was the fact that Iowa City has officially changed its name on their uh, uh, front page of the paper to Woodshed Iowa. Oh, man. Because I, th- no one would have been shocked if Ohio State went into Kinnick Stadium and lost, right? I mean, that's a tough place to play. Right. Iowa's got a good team. But to do for Iowa to do... What they did. And I got to remember the final score because I'm still shocked by it. It 55
1: 24.
0: 55 24, and it really wasn't that close. It didn't feel that close. You had a fake punt by the Hawkeyes, you had a fake field goal by the Hawkeyes, Uh, you had five touchdown passes by Nate Stanley. I don't know what happened. Maybe Brian Ferrens needs to yell things at uh replay officials before every <laughs> yeah, game. For sure. Um, but ridiculous, right? I mean just How about
1: a week uh, earlier the Gophers are in and it's a seven point game. Yes,
0: I know. It's that's I mean that's seeing that team up close and then watching what they did it was before the Gophers played Michigan, so we were able to watch that game and Penn State, Michigan State. I mean, Jaws were like on the floor.
1: Yeah, and you know what, Guardsy too? It's not good for the Big Ten. Correct. We're going to talk about that. Just in terms of what happens with the the college football playoffs and everything else like that, that side of – of the division is is all jacked up right now. There's any one of three teams can can come through there, and they're for sure going to be a two loss team at least.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, Wisconsin is a team that doesn't love that that happened. It's funny how this time of year you kind of start cheering for other teams that you usually wouldn't right. cheer for, yeah. and, and it, it, so many other things matter for you. And um, that that's you know Ohio State had been kind of seen like they usually are, even if they've taken a loss as the team to watch out for, especially after the way they came back to beat Penn State. It's like, okay, they had the hiccup against Oklahoma. You know they've got good players. JT Barrett's an elite quarterback. Urban Meyer knows what he's doing towards the end of the year. And then to have them you know, not just lose, but just get drunk. I mean, that was the worst loss Urban Meyer's yeah. ever had. Most got points smoked. he's ever given yeah. up. And got I know other people in the Big Ten aren't going to shed any tears for him, but it is, like you mentioned, not good when Penn State then loses to Michigan State. You know, yep. And we know kind of where Michigan is right now. Uh, it'd be shocking to me, and we're going to talk about this too, for a Big Ten team to be left out of the playoff. But the way it's shaping up right now, if you kind of play things out with the Blue Bloods, so to speak, being what they are, the the Big Ten could be left holding the bag
1: a little well, bit. Well, they could be. And I don't know that they'll let that happen. If Wisconsin wins out, I think you gotta take a look at Wisconsin. I agree. Um because what that means is they're gonna they're gonna beat us they're gonna beat a, a ten and two team in the in the Big Ten championship game, if it were to go that route, then I think you gotta you gotta put Wisconsin in. But the way it's looking right now, you're you're right. You could end up with two SEC teams in there. If Alabama um and Georgia both run the tables and those two play a real close uh, SEC championship game how do you keep either one of them out
0: you don't you wouldn't oh. I, w- I wouldn't think you did yeah and then
1: yeah. you got Notre Dame sitting there
0: Notre Dame is uh, Notre Dame takes on Miami this week and so you know they've got a, a few other you know i wouldn't say you know they've got Miami then they play Navy then they play Stanford i mean you'd, you'd like you know Stanford has the great running back Bryce Love right. but you'd like the thing and that's on the road but you you look at it and go man if they get by Miami it's fairly smooth sailing, right? I mean, Miami's back, they're playing great. They just beat Virginia Tech, but for Notre Dame, yeah, they could definitely throw the wrinkle in for all the teams in the conferences if Notre Dame's in there.
1: And you know the thing about Notre
0: Dame too, is they
1: are, they're a national draw. They they're going to they're going to they're gonna, the the they'll do anything are they favorable can. on them yeah. and they they'll draw wherever they play, they'll draw.
0: And they've earned it. I mean, if yeah. their only loss is a 1-point loss at home to Georgia, I, you'd have to say Notre Dame should be in no, there, so no
1: doubt. And they they play good schedule. They play they play good teams. And, yes, you know, year in and year out, they're you know they they don't they don't pad their schedule at all.
0: Let's set the, uh, the the playoff rankings for the record. I don't know if we've done that yet. Georgia's number one again. Alabama's number two. Notre Dame three. Clemson four. Following that, it's Oklahoma, TCU, Miami, Wisconsin, Washington, and Auburn. That's the top ten. What's helping Wisconsin? Ob in this whole thing is this week in the college football rankings. Northwestern has crept up into the top 25 now. And Iowa jumped up like 21 spots, basically, to number 20. So Wisconsin's schedule, with these other teams continuing to win, looks a little bit more favorable because up until this past weekend, they hadn't beaten a ranked team when they play them. Now Northwestern being ranked, they played them like two months ago. But Iowa, who they play this weekend now... Should they beat them in Camp Randall, that would at least be a rank, a rank win for right. them, which would help them in the eyes of the committee.
1: And Michigan too; they've got Michigan That's after true. you know two weeks, so they could have two ranked opponents. And uh, you know, again, provided they run the table again, that means that means that they're going to beat the Gophers here. And you know, well, we don't want to see that happen. And you never know what could happen. That's why you play these games and you get the upsets that you get. And, and hopefully, the Gophers sneak that one out. Uh, that would be great, but if you take a look at it on paper, it looks like they could run the table and they could be undefeated going into the Big Ten championship game.
0: On the other side of the college football world a little bit, from the top four to really the bottom four or five in terms of bowl eligible teams, uh, the rumors are starting to circulate already that if the Gophers pick up a fifth victory, and If it's going to happen, most likely it would be this Saturday. They are a home favorite against Nebraska. I think the line's two, two and a half, something like that. Uh, Two and a half this morning. I had kind of put that out of my mind that the five and seven bowl thing was an aberration when we went to Detroit a couple of years ago, which I really enjoyed. I thought that was fun. Um... But it came out last week that well they got to fill 80 spots and there's like 35 40 teams right now that have the five you know the six wins and there's another 30 or 35 that are probably going to get to six wins and you might be sitting there again going down the grade sheet going down the APR list and the Gophers because of uh, the work of the staff before and the continued work of this staff have done a great job in the classroom and put themselves in a position. Um, Amazing, right? I mean, I right. we, we hadn't really talked about that. I hadn't even thought about it, hadn't told my wife about it because she'll be uh, very curious <laughs> about how long this football season is going to go. But definitely a possibility, right?
1: I think for sure. I, I do think there's a good chance if we can get to, we'll get to win this weekend and if we end up with five, uh, which I do think we win this weekend. Uh, I think there's a, there's a good chance, and again, that's a credit to what our kids have done academically, and and from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint, do you want to go to a bowl game if you're if you're a five win team? Absolutely, you yeah. want you know, to help develop the program, to continue the progress with your freshmen and your young kids, and as a player, bowl games are awesome. They're great. You get you know you get nice stuff. You it's an extra trip and. Uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully we we have some luck, and hopefully we don't we don't need that you have just five. Yeah, Maybe just win the we next can two right way and yeah. Get two and. Uh, and do it that way, you don't want to back into the deal. But if you do, you certainly you take that opportunity and you run with it.
0: I remember talking to Coach Clays two years ago in the locker room after the Wisconsin loss that put you guys 5-7. and seven. And I remember saying, okay, now you know you're not going to a bowl. You know there's no bowl game on the horizon. How do you turn it into a positive? You go right into recruiting, all of those things. And then like 36 hours later, you start to hear the rumblings. What do you remember about that? Like, Did you leave – TCF Bank Stadium that day against Wisconsin, thinking you were going to be playing another game?
1: Well, we left that day uh, knowing we were meeting the next day to go on a row recruiting. Yeah, uh, But we did. We knew that there was a possibility because as as you get to towards the end of the season, you see how many teams have made it, how many teams hadn't made it. And that particular year, everything just lined up right where all of the teams that needed to lose lost uh and were sitting at five and seven and, and the teams that needed to win to get there that they did as well. And uh so it was one of those deals where we were watching it, we had an eye on it. We weren't kinda counting on it or anything else like that. But uh we knew there was a chance and when uh when it happened they said, Hey, do you want to go? And the Big Ten of course was very, very involved in that. Yeah. We knew that it would probably be Detroit. Uh, we said absolutely, let's go, and it was it was a shorter trip for us, which I think was kind of nice, and and the players enjoyed that piece of it, and we practiced a little bit differently, so it was uh, it was a great experience, and we won our first bowl game in in many many years here at Minnesota, so it was uh, it was well worth. Us taking that uh, that opportunity playing that game. I
0: was there about 30 hours in Detroit. Had a nice dinner downtown, and then uh, got to see Ford Field, which I'd never seen, and then got home at a reasonable <laughs> hour. It, it, it worked out great for me. Yeah. You mentioned the Big Ten is very is was very involved, and I, I feel like that 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 was that's a Big Ten contracted bowl, right? right? So the Big yep. Ten is you know even if you guys had said. I don't know, we're just going to study and we're going to recruit. The Big Ten probably would have almost forced the hand a little bit, right, and said, yeah, you guys should go. We're, we're contracted to play because this might come up with the pinstripe bowl, for example, is one that where the rumors are circulating that that could be a place where the Gophers end up this year in New York City.
1: Well, as a contracted bowl, the Big Ten, if you have a team that you can put in there, you need to do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it's not really an option. And, again, we were, we were excited to play in it. You know, our, We hadn't played in Detroit in, in a lot of years, and it's a drivable game for people to get to. Uh, it's not a bowl game that pays out a lot of money. Uh, but the, but that's changed actually, too. It's changed a little bit, so it is paying out more money, but it's still an opportunity to play, and, and it, there's money that goes to the Big Ten in those bowl games as well, and the money that that Detroit and and uh, that the, the money that they pay the big Ten gets split up amongst all the schools as well so there's certainly influence and and when the Big Ten has a contracted ball game somebody's gonna go
0: the other broad topic I want to get to before we wrap things up is you know we were talking before we uh, hit record on this thing that this was uh, the Gopher's second night game in a row on the road and the Iowa City flights 32 minutes right I mean it's not uh, it's not like you're flying from Corvallis like we did but we did uh, drive to Portland and fly from Portland uh, on the road at night at, like, 9 o'clock Central. So we've already kind of crossed that bridge. But there was an interesting story a couple of weeks ago, OB, in the Cleveland newspaper talking about just the sheer volume of night games now and how that's changed. It used to be, you know, you'd have to, like, plan ahead seven months in advance, hire a company to bring lights into your stadium, get the lights on. (laughs) It was a big deal, right? It was this totally different thing. Now all the stadiums have lights, right? And now there's multiple TV networks that have inventory for you to play, more night games, and there's just, you know, five years ago there might have been six night games total in the whole conference, and now there's like 25. Right. So by definition, you're going to be playing more night games, and I know within the last couple of years, the Big Ten had kind of approached the schools and said, how many would you be willing to play? Where would you be willing to play them? And everybody, they called it the tolerance, like how many will play here, how many will play there, will we play Friday nights, which the Gophers are doing next year. Yep. Um, but what are your overall thoughts? I mean, the night games are great for the fans. Michigan was as loud and raucous as... You know that place. Right. It's not exactly, you know, Kinnick Stadium or Camp Randall. It's more of a wine and cheese type crowd. Sure, it was a beer drinking crowd on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, it was a party.
1: If they hung in through that weather delay, you knew you've earned that, uh, it, right? Yeah. Exactly. But
0: we talk about student athlete welfare all the time. We talk about all the different things. I mean, you know what it's like. We got home at four o'clock with the adjusted time. It was three o'clock. My one year old didn't care what time I got right. home. He was yeah. getting up at five no matter what. But then you think about you know Ohio State has to play because they're the marquee program. TV always wants them. They're playing like eight or nine almost every year. Well, it's, they're great, right? Fans love them. TV loves them. But they
1: they do come at a little bit of a cost, right? They do. Well, and, and, and money is, is the factor behind the whole thing. For sure. It's all TV money. And the more TV money is, the more money that gets – Gets delivered back to each school. That's 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 playing. So
0: the Big Ten, by the way, and their new deal with Fox and ESPN, uh, is six years, two point six four billion dollars. With a B. So if they wanted you to play at midnight, you'd play at midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Commissioner Delaney would say, "Why not one?" Yeah. You know,
1: why not 1 a.m. Well, and you know, you think about it. You know, from their standpoint, are you going to draw better uh, from a TV audience if you're playing at 6:30 at night, or if you're playing at 11 a.m. in the morning? Obviously, it's going to be 6:30 at night. So that is a big piece. But the wear and tear on the kids' bodies uh, is, it, you know, it's hard to explain and it's hard to talk about. You know, but for the kids and for the coaches, you know, yeah. the, the coaches probably came in. And they probably went to their office, and some, some maybe went home. But I, I guarantee you, some went right to the office. They slept on the couch for a couple hours, and they got up and they started breaking down film. Uh, so that's that's a that's a hard. It's hard on the kids. Uh, what usually happens? You end up changing your practice format a little bit where yeah. you don't do much. You maybe watch film. And, and when you have a game like we had against Michigan, you don't even need to spend the whole day on the film. You pick out two or three things and say, hey, this is where it went sideways on us, but we don't need to relive that deal. You guys saw it firsthand. So you change some things like that to try to give the kids his body break. But late in the year – night games are incredibly hard on on everybody physically.
0: And you're right, uh, people you know probably don't think of it that way. You know people probably I mean it is a first world problem in the, in the grand scheme of things, right? right? Like yeah. it, it, I mean it, I know that people don't like hearing people that have things and and good fortune and great opportunities to complain, but you think about, you know, getting home at 4 like we talked yeah. about, you know, having to practice and do all that. Um, You know, the Urban Meyer was pretty vocal about it a couple of weeks ago because Ohio State, as like I said, the flagship is asked to do this a lot. And even when we played there a couple of years ago, OB, you could almost tell like I was expecting, okay, we're at the shoe. I'd never been there. 90 plus thousand people. It's going to be crazy. They ran out of the tunnel and I was like looking for more. You know, I was like, what's going on here? And it's like, well, this is like their fifth night game this year. They don't care that they're playing a night. The fans are used to this. Like, in Iowa City, they're ready to roll. Michigan, they were ready to roll. Camp Randall, they're ready to roll. Ohio State, it's like, what time's our game? Eight? Okay. Yeah, we'll be there. Whatever. We'll try to play. Um, But what's been interesting is, so ESPN, to get in the weeds a little bit, ESPN and ABC under the previous contract got six night games a year. Big Ten Network got three. So that's like nine that they had every year. Well, now with Fox and Big Ten Network and FS1, they've jumped up from that number to twenty-one night games available throughout a season. So more than doubled, basically. So all these teams, you know, and Ohio State's obviously a lot. Minnesota's played five this year. I think they've played seven in the last couple of years. It's um, it's pretty crazy, and it's not going away, right? Because no, the TV it's not. money's going to continue. No,
1: absolutely, it's going to stay where it is right now, or it's even, you know, it can get, it might even grow some but from the from the coaching standpoint from the player standpoint the their their favorite start's going to be a 230 start yeah and again once or twice a year you like a like a home game particularly in minnesota cuz we haven't had very many over the years but at ohio state those guys are you know they're getting them all the time they're, they they want to be on prime time and it takes wear and tear on your body. There's no doubt.
0: So anyway, this is why I look why I look right now. Will be <laughs> right? you were in Cancun working last week. I was sweating out the late Iowa arrival, then thinking about the the delay in Ann Arbor. You know, it's tough on the sideline guy. get the violation. I don't out.
1: care what your deal is. If you were on that trip, it's going to take your body two or three days to recover from it because you're not getting your sleep and. Uh, and everything else, so it's hard. It's a hard deal, but you know what? It's a business, and sometimes you got to get up and you got to grind. You got to go. Two point
0: six four billion dollars. With a B. <laughs> and you're the administrative side of you would say, okay, that makes. Yeah, we'll take it. You yeah. know, whatever. As a coach, you're like, no, 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 and even Urban said that. He goes, they didn't come to the coaches. They said they talked to the AD. You know, we t- we tell the AD what we want, and then they do their best, right? I mean, that's kind of how it works to make it work for everybody.
1: Well, and it and that's the only way it does work, because when you take a look at Minnesota and uh, with our stadium seating fifty thousand. And sometimes, you know, we're having a hard time filling that right now. Sure, uh, but then you turn around and you go to Michigan; they got twice as many people, their ticket prices are higher. So you have to have that TV money in order to make things, uh, you know, to level, try to level that playing field out with the schools in the conference.
0: Lastly, I do want to uh, get your thoughts as a coach and as an administrator. On, did you hear about the UCLA basketball players in China?
1: Uh, I heard a little bit about it. well yes. here
0: I'll give you a lot about it, and it's uh, the story it's gone international now out of Shanghai. three us uh, UCLA basketball players Leangelo Ball, who everybody knows that name as the younger brother of Lonzo Ball, Cody Riley and Jalen Hill were questioned about allegedly stealing sunglasses from a Louis Vuitton store next to the team's hotel in China where they're playing a game, I think against Georgia Tech or something. It's basically an international incident now, OB where it's not as simple as. You know, different countries have different laws. Right. I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but if you steal a pair of sunglasses in Shanghai, you're basically uh, in prison for 10 years, like the way it works. Like, they, they could be facing literally 3 to 10 years in prison. Will it get that far? I don't know. But the reason I bring it up is I, I very vividly remember my first trip with you guys in 2011. We were going out to USC. Coach Kill had brought the team up, like, the day before Thursday. You guys were going to travel Friday. And one of the things he said I'll never forget it was when we get to the hotel in downtown Los Angeles, you are not allowed to leave the property. You will not be hanging out in downtown LA. I know where we're staying. It's a good spot. I know you're gonna think the beach is right there. It's not. But just the nightmare scenario when you bring, you know, you're bringing kids, right? They're gonna, they're gonna do stupid things. By definition, kids are gonna do dumb things every once in a while. Um, The coach's worst nightmare, right? And now this is on an international scale. Of law breaking, where you really don 't know what 's going to go on,
1: well, and you know you can 't control them all the time, you think you can, but you really can 't you know and it 's when you bring in particularly with a football team, we bring seventy plus players and you 've got another support staff, and a lot of those are young people as well, with the managers and the yeah. trainers and those kind of things so you 've got a hundred plus kids going into some place and and to some of them, you know what hey i 'm on an airplane i 'm in a different city i got to check this out they 're inquisitive, they want to know about it, and they want to learn about it but uh I would say that when you take a look at this situation with, with this basketball team and what's going on now, uh this, this gives reason for pause and for, for people to say, you know, we're not we're not going international. Yeah. There's too many things that can go haywire and it's hard, it's customs, it's everything else and you know, it's just not worth the the trip and the experience for us to do it.
0: Well, and you, you, luckily, these stories are few and far between because the international experience for these teams, like basketball can go once every four years. You know, Harbaugh obviously did spring yep. practice in Italy or wherever he did it. That's a great opportunity for these kids, too, you know? So it's like, I understand the reasoning behind it. I'm sure there's some money involved as well. But you can guarantee this, every international trip, these three players' faces are going to be put on the wall and said, don't
1: be these guys. You know, we're no watching No question. You. Yeah, no question. And you know what? It's terrible publicity for the university, you know, for UCLA and for their basketball program in particular. So it's not a good situation for anybody. And, you know, the other piece of it for me as a coach has been through this stuff. The travel sounds great, but it gets old after a while. Sure. You know, these the Big Ten is great. you got hour, hour and a half flights for the most part, but... The stuff overseas, although it is an educational opportunity for the kids and to experience something that most of them would never ever have that opportunity in, in their lifetimes. But at the same time, you know you, you could do that. You're going to risk. You're going to risk things, and uh, this one for UCLA is a bad deal.
0: I remember being nervous when I saw players at the steak and shake, like in champagne, like <laughs> within five minutes of curfew. I'm like, man, this and that's in the same parking lot, right? It's not even like right? yeah. not, it's not like they're riding around town. Oh, well,
1: you're you like, across the. But like, hey, there. you need
0: to, you need to get back. I, I know bed checks in four minutes. You're going to get your steak burger and fries and everything. But when you were like an ops guy or when you were a coach, I mean, did you? I mean, everybody—you kind of know where everybody is. You guys are so regimented, just for our night game or our road games, right? I mean, it's the yeah, land you get to the hotel. Strict, yeah, they, there's you, like an hour yeah. of free time, right? Yeah,
1: you see the schedule. You know, they have a schedule. They wear the schedule around their neck, and it's that you follow it to the mm-hmm. minute. Uh, and you keep a you keep an eye on them, and there's a lot at stake. And the kids want to play well, and they do well. And ninety nine percent of them are going to make good decisions. Uh, but for the one percent that don't, you put some measures in place to try to curb that. We've you know bed checking. We check their rooms at eleven o'clock at night. Yep. Is it possible that a kid could sneak out after eleven o'clock? It probably is, because you know what? Coaches are tired, and graduate assistants are tired, and you need to be rested for the game as well. But uh, it's a it's a it's a great opportunity. But every once in a while, it can go it can get haywire.
0: Luckily, there's no bed check for the radio guys. There uh, I don't be. even
1: want to get into the radio guys a lot of rumors headaches that I hear <laughs> yeah. your night's out there's on the a town. lot of stories. your wife better not be listening the, to this these, podcast. these night
0: games have not they been shut good. It down. that's the other problem when there's a night game you trick yourself into I can stay out for another hour or two that's a, just a terrible idea. you think at some point maturity would enter into this you but, would think but it doesn't you know nobody's perfect they'll uh, be any final thoughts as we as we wrap up it's good to good to get back into the swing of things we were missed last week I got dozens of people going where are you guys <laughs> sure. and I said One of us is in Mexico meeting with the president, one of us is running around with his kids. But any final thoughts? South Dakota State, how about their victory over NDSU this past weekend? second year in a row they've
1: beaten them in a regular season. Huge win for it. Uh, North Dakota State's first loss of the year. Uh, So that was uh, a great game, And, and locally there's good college games each weekend, but... Uh, it's exciting what's, what's happening in these last three weeks. There's going to be great games all over the Big Ten, both on the East and the West. And, you know, a Big Ten game that, that, uh, that I would take a look at this week, uh, of course, is Ohio State, Michigan State. That one's going to be an important game to see who's going to come out of that deal. And uh, it'll be fun. I'm excited. I wish it were Saturday now.
0: I believe whoever wins that game still controls their own destiny in the East Division, if I remember correctly the uh, Michigan State-Ohio State game. I still think they have, because of Penn State losing, Michigan being what they are, and Ohio State still having to play Michigan, I think, so that that is a
1: massive game. Yes, the winner of that game does control their own destiny because both of them have beaten Penn State. There you go. So, as long as they they win out, whoever wins that game wins out, they're in for sure.
0: Set your alarm early um, for Saturday, 11 o'clock. I will o'clock.
1: be down there. We'll be down enjoying it. I can't wait. Uh, I feel good. The Gophers going to have a bounce back week, and we're going to get to win. We're going to go 5-7 and seven and start talking about bowl games. Start talking about New York or San Francisco. <laughs> All right, it'll be good stuff. Hey, thanks. It's great to see you.
0: He's Dan O'Brien. I'm Justin Gard. This has been the KFAN College Football Podcast. Reminder: we'll be here basically every single week. Don't forget my Sunday show, 8 o'clock this week. 8-9 Gopher Football Sunday. OB will join me there as well in the last segment of the show to review Gophers and Nebraska. 11 o'clock kick, 9 o'clock pregame right here on The Fan. Thanks as always for checking out the KFAN College Football Podcast.